Can Be New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. I am excited to be here uh, this morning. I'm not very excited to be outside of my warm home, but I am excited to be in this warm place with all of you because there's something beautiful about coming together in the body of Christ, celebrating what God is doing. Boy, if there ever is a time that you need to spend time with each other and with the Lord, it's during the season, right? And it would seem like... Well, of course, it's Christmas, but man, Christmas sometimes can actually detract more from uh, the things of the Lord <laughs> and be more about the things of shopping <laughs> than, uh, than, uh, than we would like it to be. But I'm glad to be here. Particularly, I'm really excited about the subject matter. You know, uh, pastors, us pastors get together and we, we talk about what we're going to speak about for, for a season at a time. And so uh, when the subject of spiritual health came up... Um, I was very, very, very thrilled to be able to take this weekend and really address uh, some of the things that we're going to address today. Now, the reason why that is, is not just because I'm particularly a perfectly spiritually healthy person, but it's because I do feel, I mean, I, I'm okay, don't, don't worry, okay, I'm okay, but, but it, particularly because two years ago, um, I wasn't at church during this season. As a matter of fact, I had taken an extended time off two years ago, right in the season. I left right after Thanksgiving and came back um, right, before, um, right before Christmas. Um, but what I was doing is I was spending some alone time with the Lord on something called a sabbatical. If you're not familiar with what that is, if you've heard of the Sabbath, extend that, and that is a sabbatical, where you spend time just taking time away. And as pastors, as you're serving a lot of people, it's good for every person to have a season like that in their life. But to, particularly for me, mine wasn't because, hey, I'm gonna go on vacation and take a break. Basically, it was because I was really screwed up. <laughs> now, I hadn't fallen into any, any sin. There wasn't anything like, we need to let you go. You need to go do this. You need to fix this problem. But I had felt the pressure and the life of ministry in such a way that I felt like God wanted to do more in me than just keep me busy doing things. And so that's where I was. So this is kind of a, an anniversary to me. And even being able to talk about what I'm talking about is not so much just a how-to, but I think that what I'm gonna share is something that I've had to live out. And I hope that it inspires you this morning because not only is this season the season of shopping and Christmas and family, but we're about to, to cross over into a new year. And you know what often that brings? New Year's resolutions. You're probably thinking about a lot of things that you may do a little bit differently this next year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do something else. And, and we think about this. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise more. But in our faith, we also put a lot of those things on the forefront as we enter into a new year, don't we? As a matter of fact, I think that some of us uh, say these things like, um, I am going to uh, study my Bible more, and I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to, to give more, and I'm going to come to church more. And while all of these things are wonderful and beautiful, can I tell you what they are? They are spiritual practice. But they are not necessarily the determining factors of spiritual health. Believe me, 20 years in ministry I've been in. 15 years here at this church. And man, I've done a lot of stuff. I was doing a lot of Jesus stuff. I still am. But I'll tell you on the inside, much of myself was falling apart and being broken. 
And what I really realized during that time is that there is a definitive difference between spiritual practice and spiritual health. Because spiritual practice may be what you see on the outside, which we can all do pretty well, right? But spiritual health is who you are on the inside. You see, with the studying your word more and, and going to church more and giving more, guess who else did that? The Pharisees. When you look in, in, in what Jesus, how he addressed those that were in the temple from day to night and they knew the scripture backwards and forwards and they knew the law and they did all the Christian things, but he called them whitewashed tombs, which means you do all the stuff on the outside, but inside you are really messed up. I think there's some things that we can learn from just knowing that and that alone. That I think we need to make a commitment in our lives and in our hearts, not just to do more Christian practice, but to be more spiritually healthy. Now, what's really interesting, too, is that there's an author, Eugene Peterson, who uh, wrote in one of his books uh, on the subject, actually, of denominations. And, you know, talking about the four-square denomination or Assembly of God or all these denominations. And he wrote this in his book, He says that denominations are like the bark of a tree. While they protect, they are not the life itself. The local church, the believer, they are the life of the body of Christ. I can probably say the same, and I would propose to you this weekend that quite possibly just Christian practice is like the bark of the tree. Now, I think you can look at a tree, and if its bark is wounded and hurting, you can probably tell there's something wrong. But do you know where you can really, really tell the health of a tree? Is to take a bite of the fruit. So as the roots go, so the fruits go. What's on the inside will be determined in the long run by what kind of fruit is coming out of that tree. And you know what? The spiritual fruit that God tells us, none of it mentions being a pastor. None of it mentions reading this or doing that or doing action. It all mentions something else because in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the determining factors of your spiritual health. I think as we look at ourselves and we look at, at the, maybe even this illustration of a tree, it's not just about making something happen. But it's about, if you've ever grown anything, it's about the environment that this growth happens. And so you can have the exact right kind of seed and the exact amount of water, but if you've got lousy soil and no sun, it ain't going to grow. Or if it sprouts up, it's going to grow unhealthy. So really what I want to set today is not just a how to do this or how to do that, but I want to create for you guys some elements of your spiritual environment of your life. What are the, what are the substantive things that need to be present in your life for God to grow you spiritually healthy? Because you see, you can be the most avid scholar and know the word backward, forward, and upside down, But if you're not kind, you're just a know-it-all. And you can speak truth into somebody's life 
And you can speak fact and you can prophesy and you can be dead on with every single person. But if you don't do it in a spirit of peace and have peacefulness, you're just a tell-it-all. And you know what? You can go home right now, sell all your stuff, give everything away. But if you don't do it with joy, you're just a give-it-all. God doesn't want us to just do the things. He wants us to be complete in him. Amen? So just like good health, like I, sh- I shared, just like good healthy trees need a good environment, we're going to take a snapshot of what should be in the lay of the land as God grows you spiritually. And I didn't get any of these things from a leadership book. I'm not going to give you five practical principles to do this and this and this, although those things are great. As a matter of fact, the only example, and I do this all the time, it's like people hand me leadership books. Hey, read this. Hey, read that. Hey, read that. You know what? I love them. They're good. They're practical. But you know what I really like to learn? I just like to watch what Jesus did. That's a good, safe measuring stick for how to live something out. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to look at the life of Jesus, the most spiritually healthy entity that has ever been. So we're going to look at what did Jesus have in his life? Not just tell us what to have in ours, but what did Jesus have that we can take away and say, these are the things. These are the things that I want to promise I'll do better this year. The first one of those things that I think is so crucial and yet probably the most difficult is that maintaining our spiritual health first requires something called space. Now, I don't mean space like outer space. I mean room for God in your life. Can I tell you, you may be the busiest Christian on the planet and still have no room for God in your life. Because you know what? As believers, we got a lot of stuff to do. We've got like 1,900 services here every week. I don't know how many. We've got groups we can go to. We've got retreats we can go to. We've got leadership books to, to, to read. We've got workbooks to go through. We've got all these things. Sometimes, and I'm a testament of this, Sometimes those things can become just more things. And we leave no space for God to just be present with him. When you think about that for a moment, well, of course, I, I, I do lots of stuff with God. Can I ask you, when is the last time you sat still for 20 minutes and just listened to the Lord? Whoa. That takes a lot of discipline, especially in a busy world, especially during this season, just to listen to the Father, just to be present with him, just to make some room for him. I've had to really carve that out in my life. And, and I would call my mornings the Trinity because I'm with Jesus, a cup of coffee, and my puppy. And let me tell you what, there's some holiness going on there, but I carve out everything else in my life. My wife's already been up and working and doing all these things, and when I get up in the morning, I just need some space. And I'm a guy who loves busyness. I'm a guy who loves people. Believe me, making space and quiet times in my life is probably one of the most difficult things. But I have found over time, there will always be something that will come up. Jesus himself made space for God. Can you imagine that? God made room for God. (laughs) The son of God who was descended from heaven and went back up to heaven made sure while he was here, he had time to pull away. There was no lack of things for Jesus to do. 
Jesus had lots of people to heal, lots of teachings to do, lots of things to happen. But yet he still pulled away. As a matter of fact, in, in Luke 5.16, it says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Lonely places. That means alone. He was by himself. He got away from everything. Believe me, people wanted to be around him. It wasn't like he couldn't find friends and enemies. <laughs> he could find a lot of both. But he knew the value of even the Son of God creating space in his life to be present with the Lord. You see, knowing God in intimacy with space for him helps you to know him in clutter. If you have no touch point to what God's really like in the quiet times, in the space that you give him, you are not going to know him in the busyness. I guarantee it. Because you want to know where the enemy really comes in? He's either trying to get your soul. If he's lost that, he's just going to make you busy. He's going to make you so busy, so busy doing things that you just burn out. He's done this time and time again with people, with pastors. It's just a time to really consider how much room do I really have just for me and God in my life. Maybe it's a 30-minute walk. Maybe it's coffee with your God and your puppy. <laughs> Maybe it's just some alone time to sit and be in the presence. You know, Mother Teresa, we all know who Mother Teresa is. It was asked of her um, what she prays. I mean, of all people, you want to know, like, what do you pray to God? And she replied with, I don't pray. I listen. And it was asked again, well, what, is, what does God say? Nothing. He listens too. Can you imagine the imagery of you and God listening to each other? Just being in each other's presence. If you've ever been in any type of relationship, a friendship, you know how good it is sometimes just to sit together. Not to necessarily talk about everything, but just to sit and enjoy the presence of each other. Can I tell you that that is the relationship that God wants to have with you? He wants you to carve out some space for him just to be present with him. I got the privilege. I, I've been doing summer camps for well over a decade. And uh, um, this last summer, I had the privilege of uh, being up at our junior high camp, having a great time, 250 junior hires. If you ever want to know the definition of activity, that's what it is. Lots of activity at junior high camp. Lots of action happening. Because, man, you got to keep people going. You know, you can't lose their attention. You can't lose their focus. But a dear friend of mine, I would say my best friend, uh, got to be the speaker at this uh, year's junior high camp. And uh, he is one who's really taught me about this making space uh, for God over the years. And um, he decided that after every evening sermon, he was going to take 250 junior hires out to the big field in Crestview and lay down under the stars and stare at the stars while he played some soft music and just allowed them to be quiet before the Lord. Now, you may be thinking, oh yeah, I bet that went over well. Can I tell you? I've been reading evaluations of camps for well over a decade. I have never seen response cards like I did in response to that action alone. Because even our young people that have so much media in their life and so much action in their life, for them to carve out some time, they were saying things like, I have never heard God before. These are church kids. But they just created some room. Space in your life for God is important and it is essential to your spiritual health. Trust me. 
You see, often we, pra- we preach the theology of absence. Stay away from this. Stay away from that. Don't do this. Let's, let's hoard off this. Let's push this off. Let's push that off. And we try to go through our Christian life. But what about the theology of presence? See, sometimes I think we can be so busy trying to be Christian that we forget about being a child of God. And we, we are so busy going through the practice and keeping things all at bay that, that we forget that God just wants to be with us. Emmanuel, that's the reason he said Jesus. That's the reason his name was called Emmanuel because it is God with us, with. Even Jesus said, I will go to heaven and prepare what? Room for you. Space for you. I say we need to create space for God. The second thing that we have to do, and this is, uh, this is a little difficult often to do, but I think the other thing that spiritual health requires is, envi- is a, an environment of transparency. Transparency is a very, very interesting thing because we often mistake it with honesty or integrity or facts. But can I tell you that transparency is something more elaborate than just being honest about a situation or honest about a fact? Because where honesty might say, hey, I'm telling the truth about this, transparency would say, I'm letting you see into the truth of my life a little deeper. (laughs) You see, honesty and integrity would be more external, but transparency would be more see-through. You're letting people into your life. You're being honest about how you're feeling about a situation. God wants you to be honest about yourself. Now, that doesn't mean you just go up and just blurt out everything to every person, but allowing people to say, hey, or to look into your life and be able to be honest saying, I'm having a hard time right now. I'm having a difficult situation here. Can you imagine what would happen in church if everybody actually told us how they felt when we said, how are you doing on a Sunday morning? We'd have no time for church, man. We'd all be crying in the hallways, right? But what? That might not be bad. But you see, there's this level of the body of Christ where we can just be real with, hey, I'm having a hard time. I'm, I'm going through this situation. I was talking with a gentleman last night, and I just walked right up to him right before the service, grabbed his hand, how are you doing? He said, that's a loaded question. <laughs> and so we just sat there and talked. And he was real about his struggles. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, was transparent. He was transparent in a way that often we have a really hard time doing. Because remember, he was a leader. He had a lot of followers. But even unto his last evening when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he was walking with his disciples and he told them, hey, stay here and pray because my spirit is heavy. Now, when you're a leader and you're the savior of the world, That's a hard thing to say, I'm having a hard time right now. But he was honest with them, and I think it taught them something. As a matter of fact, I would even say that there was a correlation between how honest Jesus was and how honest Peter was able to be later (laughs) in his brokenness. You know what I mean? Because Peter broke, fell to pieces in front of Jesus, saying, I failed you, Lord, I failed you, Lord. We have to be that transparent to say, I'm a little messed up. But even after Jesus said, stay here and pray because I'm going to go on to be with the Father, he goes up to the garden and guess what? He's transparent with God. 
He didn't go to the, he, he didn't go in a huddle with God and the Holy Spirit like, okay, we got this, guys. Woo, let's go, let's go. Sometimes that's how we think about faith. Come on, let's do this, let's do this. No, he fell on his knees before the Father and said, this is gonna be hard. I don't think I can do it. His humanity. Because remember, the beauty about Christ, 100% man, 100% God, 100% holiness, we can understand, 100% know the stuff he was dealing with and can definitely relate to. So here was Jesus to his, on his knees, sweating droplets of blood, so stressed out and so honest and transparent before God and saying, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. There's a beauty to that. But Jesus didn't just live this out. He taught it. He taught it. He, he shares this great parable Um, that we're probably all familiar with, but it's the parable in Luke 18, uh, verses 10 through 14. And it is where Jesus tells the story of this Pharisee and this tax collector. And the tax collectors were not very liked back then. It's kind of like today, you know, tax collectors weren't very liked back then. Um, I'm sorry if you're a tax collector, I was just kidding. Uh, but, But the Pharisee and the tax collector, he tells a story about how they both went up to pray. And the Pharisee went up and was very bold and said, God, thank you that I am not like this man, that I am close to you, that I give all my things to the poor. I went on and on and on and on. And then the tax collector says, Lord, I am messed up. I am hurting. I am broken. Please, I just want you. And then Jesus says, I tell you, this man was more justified before God than the one before him. You see, God wants you to be real. Boy, we should have a big box in front of every church say, put your masks here. (laughs) Right? (laughs) If there ever is a place to be real, we should be real here. Let me encourage you to be a little transparent with your life and being honest with how how you're feeling about a situation. It's okay. And even one of the most beautiful scenarios with Jesus is with Lazarus. So interesting to me that, first of all, when Lazarus, when Jesus learned that Lazarus had died, he didn't run to him. He said, well, I'll be there. And he knew in his mind Lazarus was going to be brought back to life. But he still cried. He still wept for his friend. You see, he had an eternal hope. He knew there was redemption, but he was still honest about how he was feeling. Can I just tell you, it's okay to cry when you're sad. It's okay to say, I'm bummed out right now. It's okay. And I would even say, healthy to be transparent. The third thing that I know that we need as an environment for spiritual health is something that I'm going to call wholeness. Wholeness is a big word. Not just because it's a long word, or because of the amount of letters, but because it means completeness. It means a lot of stuff. But one of the things that we have to understand, and this is a dividing line here for a lot of us, is that wholeness and healing are two different things. They are connected. They definitely go hand in hand. But you can be healed and not whole. You see, often we pray in such a way and we think about our lives in such a way that is situational. God, get me through this moment. Get me past my next mortgage. 
Get me through this broken relationship. Get me through this hurt that had happened in my life because of this person that said something. And we think about it at very practical terms. And often we celebrate when the money comes in for our mortgage, when the relationship is restored. We just step in and go, oh, good, God won. And yes, I do believe that's part of what God does because all through Scripture, obviously, God heals. But God doesn't stop at healing. As a matter of fact, God will pursue you to wholeness. Because what wholeness is, it means that God continues to complete the work that he desires in you. That does, that's not situational. That's eternal. He wants to get you past your stuff. But then he wants to breathe life into you. So the next time you face your stuff, there's something different about you. I speak to junior high kids uh, all the time and youth kids, and I call it the bottom of the potato chip bag. You guys know what I'm talking about? The little bits of chips that are in the corner of the bag that the only way to get them out is to tip that sucker up and go, bam, 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 bam. (laughs) That sometimes, I'm sorry for the imagery, but that's sometimes what God does with us, right? Tips us upside down and... (laughs) But he doesn't do it to punish us. He does it because he wants the every last bit of you to come out. Particularly with me and my sabbatical, um, it was really interesting because what happened was I have been healed from a lot of things. I have overcome drug addiction, homelessness, all these different things in my life. And most of my testimony was all about rescued from drugs. And I don't mean to say this in a, in, a, in a sarcastic way, but to me it's like this little song playing in my head because of what I've experienced since then. But, but it's like I rescued from drugs and I got out of this and all these great stories and, and you, you got out of this and you got out of that. But I realized that 20 years into ministry, I was still falling apart on the inside because there was stuff that the Lord took me back to when I was six years old. Not when I was using drugs, not what I was rescued from, but because something was incomplete in me, something was wounded in me, and Jesus said, I'm not just gonna make you healed, I'm gonna make you whole. And man, if there ever is a scary place to go, it's to the places that make us do the things that hurt us, not just the things that hurt us themselves. (laughs) Amen? Amen, I'm seeing some amens in there. And it's a beautiful, difficult, but oh, what a sweet feeling to know that you're not just healed, but you are whole. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may, that they may have life, period, no. I may come that they may have life and have it to the full. So it's not just about, I mean, life would have been enough, Right? But life to the full, that means complete, that means whole, that means all of you. Paul gives us an incredible um, prayer. Um, it's, it's in his book to the, the church of Ephesus, and it's really a prayer for us. And the apostle writes this, and he prays that we, and I quote, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, How high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God's love is bigger than your situation. God wants to go places that you don't even know you have. 
He's knocking on doors. You don't even know there's a door there yet. So pursuing wholeness, believe me, healing will come. <laughs> when you pursue, pursue, I can't say this, when you pursue wholeness, healing happens. But just to pursue healing, wholeness may or may not happen. God wants to do this great work in you. You guys still with me? Good. Then the last thing, and this is where I really feel, um, boy, this right here, what I'm going to share, this last element that we need, is really where the body of Christ is manifest on this earth. Where really the gospel is perpetuated. Because spiritual health doesn't mean doing things just for your well-being. You see, we have an option when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about God. Is God meant to just flow to you? Or is he meant to flow through you? I would propose to you that his purpose is so that you will also be external as the way he is with you. Because the fourth element that we need is what I'm going to call expression. Your love for God and his work in you and what he has done must be expressed externally for it to come to full completion. It's the difference between being a a water tank and a faucet. We are not called just to be water tanks. Because you know what happens in water tanks after some time of the water sitting there? It gets stanky. It gets nasty. It gets moldy. Water is not meant to just sit and sit and sit in some old tank. It's meant to be poured out. And that's why the whole system of a faucet, you got to turn that sucker on and let it pour out for the whole system to work. Do you know that your spiritual health is often determined... Maybe you've got all the other things. Maybe you're a perfect person. You're whole. You're happy on the inside. You have the love of God. You spend lots of time alone with him. You're very transparent. But you're not externalizing it. Just a matter of time where that seemingly healthy situation is going to get very unhealthy. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Here's, here's something else with, that's tied in with that is that we... We are not meant to be a people that just take from God. We are meant to be a people that are with God and partnering with God as he gives. Jesus' life in and of itself was an outward expression of Father God. Jesus says this in Mark uh, chapter 10, in verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life. John three sixteen. we all know it. For God so loved the world that he was really happy about it. No, God so loved the world so he gave. He externalized his expression upon humanity. And said, this is a giving thing. This is an outward thing. This is an expression. Often I think about God and I think about a facial expression. You know what I think about when Jesus came? That it was just God 
really being excited on the inside, and then finally just smiling. We can all do that, right? Look at mine. Isn't it pretty? I know the joy that I have in my heart is often muddled by my own weaknesses, but man, when I can smile, (laughs) wherever you go, I know it sounds kind of corny, but you can smile. You can externalize the work that Lord, the Lord is doing in your life in some way, whether it be profound, whether it be quiet and unseen, but it doesn't mean just being a pastor or a worship leader. It means in all things that all the good and perfect work that God is doing in you to maintain your spiritual health, it must be at some point externalized. And once you get that, once you get that externalization of your faith and allowing your faith to be poured out on others, not just preaching the gospel to them, but just living in, in the fruits of the spirit, just being loving, patient, kind, joyful, all those things, people catch that. You may do all the fruits of the Spirit and you never even have to say Jesus because they're begging you to find out where all this comes from. That's something we can all do in whatever way, shape, and form that God has called us to do. And then, of course, in the book of James, it tells us that faith by itself without works is dead. Can I tell you that dead's a pretty good sign of unhealth? That's a pretty good marker. A person or even a body that does not externalize and express the love of God is in grave danger of becoming unhealthy. I want to take you back to my sabbatical for a moment and really touch on some very specific things that God showed me. And I'm hoping that as I contrast what I was and what God's doing in me, that maybe one or two of these things or maybe all of them would tug on your heartstrings and maybe you would say, oh, yep, that's where I am. And it's not about just going home and just changing behavior. It's just about recognizing the environment and saying, do I have enough space? Am I transparent enough? Am I pursuing wholeness? Am I externalizing? You get those things down and you just keep paying attention to that, you're going to be some of the most spiritually healthy people, and you already are, but even more so that this world has ever seen or known. But back on my sabbatical, he showed me the contrast. As I was putting this message together, he really reminded me of these things because, see, even though I had been in ministry for two decades, oversee all kinds of things, done all kinds of great things, that in all of it, I was doing things for him, but I wasn't making space for him. I was busy with the things of God, but not spending much time with him himself. The second thing that he showed me is that I was living in being healed with a great testimony, but I was not living in being whole. There was still incompleteness in my life that he wanted to go after. I still had potato chips in the corner of my bag. And you know what? I still got probably a few more. But I'm pursuing that. The third thing was, I was walking in complete honesty and, in, and integrity, which means I could tell people all the facts about everything and be honest. But I wasn't walking in transparency. 
And that means the lens only went outward. It didn't go inward for people to see what was really going on with me. And then in all my Christianity and all my faith and all my exciting things before God, boy, I was proclaiming Christ for sure. But I'm not so sure I was altogether expressing him in the way that he'd asked me to do. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward now and I wanna show you something uh, as they do. This is a picture that I've had for quite some time. Um, well over 15 years I've had this picture. And uh, I don't even remember where I got it, honestly. But it's, uh, it's got a frame that's kind of falling apart and it's cracked in some areas here. And uh, it actually had been in my garage up until this weekend. Been sitting there. Because uh, while I was on my sabbatical two years ago, as soon as I came back, I, I knew I had to readjust my life and style, so I readjusted my office. That's the first thing to do is get your environment correct, you know? And so everything got cleaned out of there, and, and it got put in my garage. And as I was preparing this message, and I, as I finished it, I, re, I remembered the verse that I'm going to share with you, and I remembered this picture. So I went and dug it out. And so as I picked it up out of my garage, there's like little dust bunnies around it and little cobwebs and, you know, I'm peeling things off and I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to clean it up. And then I realized, I'm not, I'm not going to clean it up. Because this picture has been sitting in my garage, but some time ago, quite some time ago, it fell and it cracked. It's got this big, huge crack right through here. So it looks pretty terrible. I mean, if you were to hang it on a wall. It's got some smudges here, some smudges there. Lots of uh, fingerprints on there. I think there's some grass in there or something. <laughs> but I realized years ago when this first dropped, for whatever reason, I never got it fixed. Because the crack in this glass really represented me. It represented a lot of us. That I am really broken. I just am. That I'm a little weathered around the edges. I got quite a few dust bunnies in my life. Let me just say that. Um, but I wanted to bring it this morning because I wanted you to know something. Is that the beauty and the life of this picture is not in the frame. It's not in the glass. It's not in the way that it's mounted. It's not even the beautiful writing and the, and the style that it's written. The beauty of this and the health of this is what it says. Is the words that it says. Because inside it says something beautiful. Before I read it to you, I want to encourage you. You are not the sum of your situation. You're not the sum of your issue, your problem. And I would even say, you're not the sum of all your really good spiritual practice. You are the sum of the story and the words that God is writing in you. And he's got beautiful things to say about you. He's got beautiful things to say about all of us. Doesn't matter what the world tells you. Doesn't matter how many times you've been dropped. 
It's about the health of the story that's in you. The story that's deep in your heart. And you know what? You don't have a story like this just because you come to church because the whole world has a story. There are people out there on the streets everywhere, everywhere in your workplace that have same stories God's writing in them. I will never get this fixed. And I don't know that I'll never get fixed completely either. But I know that there are words in my life, health in my life, not because of what I practiced or accomplished, but just because I made some space for him. Just because I'm a little more transparent than I used to be. Just because I'm pursuing wholeness. And just because I love nothing more than to express a smile for God for people. But this is what this says, and it's so fitting for us as a charge as we go out to this world. It says, so walk in him. It's from Colossians 2, 7. So walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That is your charge today. Walk in him in health. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we know you're doing a good work in all of us. And rather than just trying to go through some steps, Lord Jesus, can we just work hard to create an environment around us that gives room for your spiritual health to grow in us? If you're in this room and maybe there was something that was mentioned today that, um, that sparked something in you and, and maybe you're here and you have never met Jesus before. Maybe you've heard about him, but you've never really made that decision to completely follow him and accept him into your life. If that's you here in this room today, I want to give you that opportunity as as we're all bowing our heads. But if that's you this morning and you feel like today would be the day, we don't want to embarrass you. We just want to pray with you. But if that's you, would you just just lift your hand, hand up? There would be anybody here. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Now I would ask this question, even with your heads bowed. There is something in your life as New Year's comes that you heard this morning, just so I can know I didn't do a completely horrible job. (laughs) Would you just lift your hand up if something's gonna change because of what you heard today? Keep your hands up. With your hands up now, I want you guys to look around and look around and look around. None of us are alone in this, amen? We applaud that. Not alone. God is so good, and I'm so thankful for this privilege, thankful for this weekend. I hear we're gonna get up to 40 this week. Uh, but thank you so much. This has been a blessing. Would you just stand as we uh, close with the doxology?
You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope. Thank you.